going to ask you to stand with me. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Paul said it this way, So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We have gathered here this morning on this Easter Sunday morning, and I'm going to ask you why, why you're here. Why do we come to church on any given Sunday? I think if I was honest with myself, I would say I often come for me. I come because I want to feel the touch of God in my life. How many of you want that this morning? I need the Lord to speak to me. I'm looking for his word, his counsel, his guidance. I want to feel his presence as we worship together. And when I think about all those things, those are things God does for me when I come. But this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something very different. Can you not be here this morning for yourself? But can you be here this morning for Jesus, who is our risen Lord? Can that be our focus this morning as we feel his priest? All of those other things will come along. On this morning, I want to ask you, Jesus has a human birthday, but God doesn't have a birthday does he? He's existed always. And so he doesn't have a birthday. But maybe this Easter, Easter is the closest thing we have. And it's not his birthday, but maybe we could call it the day we celebrate the life of God, that in God there is life. And we rejoice and celebrate it together. And so this is the day, as Steve has mentioned, that God proved that he, Jesus proved that he was God. And and he is to be praised. And so I'd like you to read with me the 150th Psalm as your prayer and your commitment this morning to give worship and praise to the one that it is due. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's do it.
feel guilty for interrupting your worship. So I'm going to ask you to hold this frame of heart and mind and just be seated for a few moments as we begin to look into the Lord. And throughout the service today, I'm going to ask you to re-engage. And we're going to keep re-engaging in worship as we consider what the Lord has done. And if you've been with us over the last little while, you know that we've been talking about a passage out of Isaiah chapter 30, and the title of the series has been 
a better way. And this morning on Easter Sunday, we celebrate that there is a better way. There is a better way. When humanity first met Jesus, they began to know who he truly was. They began to see the things he did. They began to, to cultivate a hope that maybe, just maybe, their world was about to change. And just as that awareness arrived for them, he went to the cross. He went to the cross. And they didn't understand it, but they loved him. They had known him. He had changed them. He had changed their lives. And so they would go to the tomb, and they would go there with a real grief, but with a genuine love, and they would come there to mourn him. And as Steve read already, they would meet two men, find a stone that was rolled away, and the men would ask them, why do you seek the living among the dead? And then they said these words. They said, don't you remember? And here's the thing about us as human beings. We leak. <laughs> we leak truth. <laughs> I don't mean truth just comes out of our every pore. I mean we get it and we lose it. <laughs> Somehow we lose it. And when the men reminded them, the Scripture says that they went, oh, yeah. And it says they began to remember the things that he had said. They remembered his words. And oh, what joy must have begun to flood their souls in that moment of that revelation. Oh, the wonder of it. Welcome to the good news. Welcome to the first Easter morning. God knows we live in a world where we fight for survival every day, where we're under siege every day. How many of you have felt it? How many of you know it? You know the pressures of it. And God knows that we are a people in need of saving. I think of the announcement of Jesus coming. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Over the last six weeks, we have studied how God offers us a way in this world under siege, in this life under siege, a way, not our own way, but His way, a way that we often don't fathom. And I'm so glad that God knows in Isaiah 30, verse 15, for thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, in repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. Verse 18, how blessed are all those who long for Him. Is there a longing in your heart this morning for more of the risen Lord? How many of you feel like, I haven't even begun to tap what resurrection life and power must all include? I've only begun to scratch the surface. Are you hungry this morning? God says, I have for you a better way. When God looks at the world, he sees it as it is, yes, but he also sees it for what it can be, and he sees it for what it should be. And more than that, he sees it for how it will be. Jesus will be the Lord of this world. God's sadness includes a deep compassion for you in this moment. The things that you face, the things that you endure, the things that you don't know how to navigate your way out of, this risen Lord Jesus is the one who says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will show you a better way. I think of Jesus standing 
with Martha and Mary at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus, whom he knows he's about to raise from the dead, and yet in that moment, he's caught up with them in the profound pain of their loss and grief. And in that moment, we see the beauty of the humanity of Jesus. Jesus who comes, who understands what it's like to be us in our world. I love that he stands there in the anguish and in the grief of the reality of life in this world. He sees the siege that you are under, just like he saw Israel and the siege they were under. What sets Jesus apart is not just that he's the God who meets us there, but he's the God who can do something about it. He's the God who can do something about it. In this text, we have been exploring that there were other alternatives, but God had offered his people a way to have victory. It is a moment when he makes sure we realize that we have another option than to be victimized, made victims by this world that we live in. You and I are not prisoners of this world. Did you know that? You're not a captive to this world. You have been set free. God has offered you a way out. In Isaiah 55, God says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on you. Come to God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then listen to the promise. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I have sent it. Have you let God speak his words into your life? They will yield exactly what he promises they will. The enemy lays siege to humanity. The battle we fight is more daunting. The enemy is more powerful and more difficult battle to win than any army man has ever assembled. The battle that we cannot win is the battle with our own sinful nature. And this is the better way that God offers you. He says, I will put in you a new nature. I will put in you and make of you a new creation. And old things will change. Old things will begin to disappear. And new things, life will come to you. So God is offering to us as humanity his grace, his pardon, his love, his better way. So here we stand this morning, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me again. And we acknowledge today that in Easter we celebrate that Jesus came to a broken humanity and said, let me show you how this is done. Let me show you how to do this. And so I'm going to ask you now to close your eyes and to find your voice and find your own words as the worship team just plays would you offer your own thanks to God for the better way 
that he has offered you in your life. Thank him for the things that he is able to do in your situation. As you are besieged by sickness or broken relationship or, or your own broken nature, let's thank God today that there's a way out. And then after we've worshiped together, and I'm going to ask you to open your mouths and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Open your mouth and say the words to Jesus this morning. And then the worship team is going to lead us in a song that will help us to give expression to this. So let's begin. Let's begin to worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for finding me in my brokenness. Thank you, Lord, for seeing through my sin, seeing past it. Thank you, Lord, for healing, for life, for reconciling us to yourself. Thank you, Jesus, that you see, you know. You are the God who parts the Red Sea. You are the God who raises a dead child. You are the God who rescues a woman taken in adultery. You are a God who heals a woman with an issue of blood. Lord, you are the God who gives us a way, helps us find a new way. We are no longer prisoners, Lord. We are no longer captives. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we lift our voices. We thank you. We praise you. God, I choose your way. Choose your way, not my way. Choose your way, Lord Jesus. Your way, Jesus, not mine. Lord. Yeah. yeah, Lord, we give up our strategies. We give up our plans. We give up our control. We give up our strategies, Lord. We want to do it your way. Teach us the way of repentance and rest. Teach us quietness and trust. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Teach us how to rely on you. Praise you, God. Yes. Thank you. 
Lord, thank you that you've given us a better way. Thank you for what you've done. Lord, we continue to dive into your word. Keep revealing yourself to us as we move on. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Oh, I love it when you guys worship. I got to say, this is like going to a storm hockey game, right? Why wouldn't we get that excited? Jesus is our home team, man, right? I want to talk to you just for a few moments about the, the ironic way that God saved us. <laughs> like how, how inconsistent it is to the natural mind of man. The iron of Easter isn't lost on us. That the good news comes out of some very, very bad news. Isn't that weird? <laughs> in Psalm 53, the scripture says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Everyone say, that's us. That's us. Now, how good do you feel? <laughs> right, here's the ironing of it. The best news in all the world comes in the face of the worst news in all the world. That our destiny was sealed because of our sin. Romans 3 says it this way, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it's the bad news that produced the good news plan of God, the plan of redemption. In 1 Peter, we read that the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But oh, the cost. Oh, the cost to God. At what horrendous price comes to you your salvation? God has shown you what we are worth to him. Jesus said, I will go. I'll take their place. I'll take that death sentence. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world. Let me say it again. God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. There's another irony. In our sense of guilt, we often feel like Jesus is our judge. But it's not true. That's not His heart. That's not why He's come. Many people will drop the invitation right there. You tell me I'm sinful. You tell them of their status in the eyes of God and their pride is offended or their rebellion is provoked. Who is God to claim right over me, over my life? Or sometimes we project our shame, our own sense of brokenness. We know our history. We know what we've done. And we can't imagine that a perfect God could love a sinner such as I. What criminal ever blamed themselves for the justice of the courts? No, we look for some place to send the blame, and often it's God who's blamed for being harsh and impossible to please, but that's not what the Scriptures teach us about Him. And that's another irony. 
that the God who beckons mankind to come to himself is viewed often by mankind as the one who is unapproachable. How ironic is the way of God. The good news is that God doesn't see any of this as creating an impasse. He doesn't see anything about this that looks impossible for him. We cannot fully appreciate Easter until we recognize how vast the chasm is between us and God because of our sin. You know, I've been in the backcountry a time or two and had to get across a creek, and maybe you've thrown a tree across that you could get across the creek. That's not all that impressive. There's something a little more impressive. There's an engineering marvel that crosses San Francisco Bay. It's a, it's a, it's a marvel that man could make a bridge to cross the ocean. And yet the Golden Gate Bridge stands as a monument to a vast chasm. But even that pales is insignificant in comparison to the distance between sinful man and a perfect God. And yet Jesus has built the bridge through his own life to span the two things that could not be further apart and bring them together through his own life. And how did he do it? Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, humbled himself, taking the form of a bondservant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. How important you must be to him for him to do that. How beautiful. Do you see the value you have to your heavenly Father? To Jesus who loves you. The words of the old hymns resonate through my soul at this time of year that God should love a sinner such as I, should yearn to change my sorrow into bliss, nor rest till he had planned to bring me nigh. How wonderful is love like this. That Christ should join so freely in the scheme, although it meant his death on Calvary. Did ever human tongue find nobler theme than love divine that ransomed me? That for a willful outcast such as I, the Father planned, the Savior bled and died, redemption for a worthless slave to buy, who long had law and grace defied. And now he takes me to his heart as son. He asked me not to fill a servant's place. The far-off country wanderings are all done. Wide open are his arms of grace. Do you know the chorus? Such love, such wondrous love, such love, such wondrous love that God should love a sinner such as I. How wonderful is love like this. How ironic the way that God the Spirit should become flesh. How ironic that the innocent should die for the guilty. That the source of life should have to taste of death to bring life. That the God of heaven should take up residence on the earth. 
that I, the sinner, should become a son. How ironic that it is the king who fights for his people and not the other way around. What a magnificent... That's okay, it's time to stand anyway. <laughs> Would you stand with me? And I'd like you to find words to thank God who has sacrificed himself for you and me. This is how much you are worth to me. This is how much I love you, he says. And so we're going to spend this moment. Yes, Lord, I hear you. I hear you, Phelan. <laughs> we're going to spend this moment and we're going to thank God that he should have done that for us is ironic beyond comprehension and worthy and worthy of praise. So let's lift our voices. Lord Jesus, thank you. Find your voice. Lord Jesus, thank you. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank
Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad God didn't leave you out in the wilderness. I'm glad he saved you. Parted a Red Sea, brought you through. Amen. And then you can be seated. I'm going to ask you to turn, turn your thoughts this morning as, as we think about Jesus to the fact that only Jesus could have saved us. It's not just the better way. It's not just an ironic way, but it's a supernatural salvation. It's a supernatural way. It takes what only God can do. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist texted Jesus. Well, actually, he sent a messenger, but if he'd had a phone, he would have texted Jesus. And he asked, are you the expected one, or should we look for someone else? He had seen the signs, but, but he wasn't sure. And, and Jesus answered and said to them, uh, he probably answered by messenger. Uh, do you get it? Oh, that's okay. He said, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Who has ever done anything like this? Who has ever been like Jesus? Jesus would say over and over, not the kingdom will come one day. But he said the kingdom is here. Do you remember that in the Gospels? He would say the kingdom is here. In Luke chapter 11, he says, But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, I am in the world right now. The kingdom that you seek is not a kingdom just way off in the future. It's not something that you will arrive in someday after you die, after you endure all the horrors of this world. It's not something that you will never taste in this world. But it's something here and now. And that's what he was telling John. And that's what he's saying to us. In John chapter 2, the Jews said to him, What sign do you show as the authority for the things you say and do? Do you remember what Jesus told them? Destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. And the Jews said, it took 46 years to build this temple. You'll raise it in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And see, these are the things that the angels at the tomb were helping the people to remember. Jesus had told us exactly what he was going to do. And then he went and did it. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, for this reason... The Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. What other religion or philosophy or, or idol of mankind can make a claim like that? This is a supernatural salvation wrought by God himself. God is the one who acts. God is the one who saves. This is his kingdom. This world is still his dominion. Now, he may have allowed us to have our own little kingdoms here and there. Men have built their little empires, their companies, built our little armies and stomped around a little bit and beat some other guys up. And we have our little islands of power and God has allowed it all for a time. But there is a time when all the little kingdoms of this world are going to bow their knee to one, to one kingdom. 
And it says in Philippians chapter 2 that God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess, yes, now we see you really are God. You really are the Savior. And there'll be no argument that day. The question is, will you be on the right kingdom that day when you realize who Jesus is? It's a supernatural thing. In Isaiah 43, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. There will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed, and there was no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Even from eternity, I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it. That's who has saved you. Have you heard the lies of the enemy? Have you heard the challenges of the world? You're no different than you used to be. I beg to differ. The God of all creation says, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. And new things are coming. Now, I'll be the first to admit that my life doesn't reflect all the new things that are coming. Can I have an amen? Little, little too enthusiastic there. Little too, enth but is it true? Of course it's true. But I promise you this: I'm different than I was two years ago, and five years ago, and ten years ago. How many of you are being transformed by a supernatural God, by the life of Jesus? Only Jesus could do it. It was the undeniable proof, and it's why we celebrate today. So can you stand with me? And we're going to celebrate that God. The undeniable one is the one who has saved us. And it is his doing. And none can reverse it. What God has spoken over you is true. You are born again. You are the sons and daughters of God. You have become children of the Most High. You have been adopted into his family. Don't you doubt it. Don't you ever doubt it. Let's give it our own words. Thank God. Praise God. Your words. What are they? Say them out loud. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I'm not going to doubt that what you've done is true. I'm not going to doubt that it's real. Lord, you have made me a new creation. Lord, forgive me for the ways I'm not. But keep on working, Lord Jesus. By the power of your spirit, Lord, work in us. Transform us. We want the changed life. We're not looking forward only to heaven, Lord, but we want to experience you here and now. We want the fullness of the life of Jesus, the abundant life, Jesus, that you can give. So, Lord, we, we speak that everything in our lives must surrender to the Lordship of Christ. All the brokenness, all the bad history, Lord, all of it under the blood. We are new in you. We are new creatures. The old has passed away. The new has come. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. Thank you for the hope of things you will yet do in us. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your
I figured I better jump in lest this one get, you guys get carried away. Just be seated for one more moment. There's a better way. It's an ironic way. It's a supernatural way. Do you know what the most important way is? You do? What is it? Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus is the way. And here's the thing about this, and we've touched on it, and, and I'm going to invite Colin Ruxton to come and join me up on the platform. One of the things that I think the, the gospel has, you know how we sometimes reshape things according to our own image? I think I'm worried that the gospel is being reshaped to be a version of this, that all you have to do is believe the right thing, and that makes you a Christian, and that's all that's required. That is not the way that Jesus has called you to himself. The salvation and the relationship God has called us to when he said, I am the way, he says, I'm calling you into a covenant partnership relationship with me. Did you know that your eternity started the moment you met Jesus? You're already living your eternal life. Jesus said, you will abide in me and I will abide in you. And not only that, I'll give you some extra help. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to be in you too. There is a living, dynamic, supernatural partnership between us and Jesus. And so the idea that you can just believe the right thing and believe you're going to heaven skips out on one of the most important things that Jesus wanted for you. And that was that your lives would be transformed into the image of his son. And so the evidence of the person who really knows Christ is that the life of Jesus comes down and touches you. It changes you in the here and now. The evidence of your salvation is righteousness. The changed life, the changed heart, the healed soul. And so don't put off to heaven what Jesus is offering you today. You know that when Jesus was in this world, he made God so readily available that people would support his ministry out of their own pockets. They would just come and bring him money. He never raised money. People would just bring him money. And there would, they would trample over each other. The scripture says that people trampled over one another to get to Jesus. And do you remember when, when they tore a roof off of a house to let a man in? How desperate are you to gain access to Jesus? You see, that's who he is. Thousands would begin to gather where Jesus was. People would shout from the roadside and make a scene, hoping that Jesus would stop and talk to them. They would climb into trees so they could catch a glimpse of him. That's who Jesus is. Jesus made God accessible to humanity. And so as we conclude today, the celebration, here stands my brother Colin, who's going to share the story, the account, the testimony that demonstrates that the resurrection we celebrate isn't just a miracle that happened some 2,000 years ago. The ongoing resurrection life of Jesus is available to you and me here and now. And that's part of what we celebrate today. Colin, share the story. Well, Glenn asked me to talk about a little miracle that happened in my life recently. And when I was 
praying to God about what I should say, he brought a few things to mind. It's a miracle I'm alive, truly. <laughs> it started quite a few years ago, before I was a Christian, and uh, I had been to church a few times, but I didn't know much about church. And I love to hike in the mountains, and my partner, Reuben, and I were hiking high up in the Alpine, and uh, we saw a bear, and it was charging towards us. And uh, so we turned and started to run down the mountain, and it was really rough, rocky ground, and, and I fell. And on my way to the ground, I, I yelled out, God help me. And I fell to the ground, and expecting the bear to be upon me, and I turned around and looked, and the bear was standing on his hind legs a few feet away, watching me get up and one away. And I ran away, and, and the bear just stayed there. And it's funny how people are affected differently. For me, it was a life-changing experience. I gave my heart to the Lord a week later. My partner, Reuben, bought a gun. <laughs> <laughs> So was I just lucky, or was it a miracle? Years later, I was working alone on a remote logging site, and uh, I was falling trees, and, and I had an incident where the top of a tree came back and hit me on the head, and uh, I don't remember anything, but somehow I managed to get home, and my wife took me to the hospital, and uh, I had a severe concussion, and the doctor said, I was lucky to be alive. Was I just lucky? And then the, a few years later again, I was uh, lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I was driving on my way to work in the bush, cold winter morning. And up north of Spring Lake, and I was driving on the road, and I hit a patch of ice. And I lost control of my vehicle, went through the ditch, rolled my truck in the hillside out of the side of the road. And, and after that all had come to a stop, I, I was laying in the truck upside down and uh, unable to move. And I could smell smoke, and the truck was filling full of smoke, and I realized I needed to get out of the truck. And the only way out was through the back window, which I had to kick out with my feet. And I managed to get the window out and crawl back to the road. And I was laying in the snowbank on the side of the road, unable to move. My back was hurting very badly. And, and uh, it was very early in the morning, so there was no one around. And I just happened to have my cell phone that morning. And I was able to get a signal and phone 911. And, uh, I laid in that snowbank for probably an hour before the ambulance got there, and, and they were very good. They put me on a backboard and took me to the hospital, and they took x-rays, and the doctor said once again, it's lucky that you're walking. Your back is broken in two places. Just lucky, right? But most recently, on, on March the 7th, um, I fell down at home, and I broke this wrist in four places. And I ended up in eMERGE, and uh, the doctor was quite concerned. One of the breaks was quite problematic, apparently. And so he booked me an appointment with Dr. Weens, the surgeon, for 12 days later. And uh, 
So they put this cast on me and I had this big ugly thing on, the bare fingers barely sticking out and I'm in the middle of a renovation in my house and I'm really annoyed because here I am now with my right hand and I'm right-handed in this big ugly cast and I can't do anything. So I'm kind of complaining to God that, you know, why now I'm in the midst of all this stuff and I need to be able to get working and, and I went to prayer meeting, we have a prayer group, I went to prayer meeting two days later and I remember someone praying for me and not really thinking much about it, and I realized that the next day my pain was gone. So anyway, I, I plugged along, I did a few things, and I waited for my doctor's appointment. And the, the only thing I really prayed for was that I wouldn't need surgery. I never even stopped to think to pray for healing. So I, I show up at the doctor's, and uh, they take my cast off and take some x-rays, and I'm sitting in the little room waiting for the doctor to come along, and he rolls in with his cart and his little computer and he pops up my x-ray on his screen and I can see him looking at it and he's got this kind of puzzled look on his face. And then he pops up my x-ray from Emerge and puts it beside it. And I'm sitting there looking at it and even I can see there's definitely a difference in these two pictures. And finally he turns to me and he says, I can't explain it to you other than you've had a miraculous healing. There's no sign of any break. <laughs> so I was in the cast for a total of 12 days, and I, I believe I was healed at that prayer meeting that night. And I, no ill effects, nothing. I'm just thankful to God for the miracle of healing. Just stay right here. I'd like to read from Acts chapter 4 and invite you to stand. <clears throat> Let it be known to all of you that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, <clears throat> whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. <clears throat> Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is risen. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter. Amanda. Well, let's celebrate. One more time.